not gonna say good morning because I just don't have it in me to say good morning today. Just got back from the store. Had to get this on the train. Battling on so many different fronts here. At times, I don't know if I'm coming or going. Kind of in dire straits right now. What's up, sweetheart? Yeah, I know. You just want me to love you. Hello, Lily. Good morning to you. My fur baby, did you just try to lick me on my mouth? No, no, sweetheart. You don't lick Papa on the mouth. <laughs> Lily, you messing up. Go sit down. Damn. I've already pet you. Damn. Sit your ass down somewhere. Little happy ass. It's not just bad enough that I can say with certain that my neither one of my aunts like to see me happy. And as far as I can muster, they've probably been planning my demise and my unhappiness for the last nine years. And on July 30th, they got their wish. My soulmate, my best friend, my wife has departed. The only reason why I didn't follow her is because I gave my grandmother my word that I would watch over my aunts, who I'm certain hates me. I don't know if it's because I'm darker than them. It is probably that. But I, I, I don't know. I think my aunt is trying to get me to crash out so she can call the police so the police can assassinate me. I've been trying to talk to an anchor representative or a Spotify podcast representative. I don't really know what they're going at. But they took away the only option I had to monetize these recordings and I'm not doing these recordings for money. It was just a nice added value to help keep me going. I'm not going to sit up here and ask for any donations or nothing like that because 
that's not what this channel was made for. It's made mainly for the new black media recordings. And my segment, Rant in the Black, to help me channel some of my frustrate my frustrations. See? That's that slurring shit that I was talking about. It still feels like my left side is numb. But I'm a I'm got control of my mouth where what I go to drink doesn't fall out of the left corner of my mouth anymore. That was embarrassing. And I need to help me get over that. But I see that that feeling is settling back into me again. I don't have anybody with positive reinforcement. It's like I'm running on one cylinder these days. They have an option on here if um, if any listeners would like to be a supporter, it would grace it would grace it would greatly be appreciated. Can't even talk because I know my motor skills aren't up to par. They haven't been up to par ever since I had this goddamn stroke. But when Nini was here, it was was easier to deal with. Because I had somebody I could relate to. Somebody I could trust. Somebody I know that loved me for me and vice versa. I never loved anybody like I loved Juanita before. I never trusted anybody like I trusted Juanita. And nobody could make me laugh even when I was in pain, except for Juanita. So, now her big baby is all alone. That was her nickname for me. I'm not going to sit up here and say that I'm scared. But I'm highly concerned. Because I'm never going back to prison. Not going to put me in a five by eight cell again. Verbally, psychologically, and sometimes physically abused. I still got those two marks from that taser. The motherfucker shocked me when I was in the shower. And laughed about it. Him and his little training partner. 
supposed to be doing Professor Black Truth's moment of truth. And I guess nine minutes is long, long enough that I can uh, end this ranting of black and get on with my regular recordings. If you do enjoy what I record and upload as in videos to these two channels, Why doesn't anybody hit me up on the comment section and tell me what what you would like to hear or be added to my program in here? Again, I'm not going to ask anybody and beg for no donations, but if you want to be a supporter of either or of these channels, because I'm speaking on my channel. And I'm speaking on Juanita's channel at the same time. It will greatly be appreciated. Family. Keep your head on a swivel. Watch over our elderly and our babies. And be safe out there. on three different devices so um, the first uh, recording will be uh, let's see, we can get to Professor Black Truth right after this one but I see that the prepper had uh, put something on so let's check this out it's a breaking news 12 minutes long some breaking news here for you with what's going on between Israel, Lebanon, the United States of America, and Israel's enemies. Do you think for a moment that the United States military would be moving as much of our assets to that region as we are if they aren't prepared to go into a full-scale war? I'm getting a little bit concerned, honestly, because I'm not as far ahead in this game as I would like to be. When COVID hit, we were way far ahead. Now, after the cost of living crisis and all the things that are happening across the United States of America, so many people are suffering right now that I know, without a shadow of a doubt, the people in the United States will not be able to handle another shock to our way of life. I was talking just the other day with Nate, Canadian prepper, and uh, Chris over at City Prepping, and we were discussing this very series of events. Basically, everybody is in shock of how fast this is moving and in what direction it's moving. And when I tell you that we're talking about all of those end game necessities, that's exactly what we are discussing. The things that you're going to need to do to keep your family safe, how bad it's going to get, how bad the economy is going to be affected, what you're going to have to do just to continue to make ends meet, and how bad the USA and Canada are going to be. The consensus between all of us mirrors the worst that we are seeing from military strategists and uh, uh, economists. They are right now speaking the same language. This is a natural series of war disasters that will continue to put conflict and crisis after conflict and crisis. We are going to have an oil problem soon. We're going to have a straight-up Hormuz problem soon. 
We're going to have a shipping problem soon. We're going to have a supply shortage soon. They're going to have a gas tank problem soon, an electricity problem, and that's without the FBI and local law enforcement each individually saying that they are on an extreme level of heightened alert because they see terrorist cells being activated inside the USA and inside Canada. This is no longer any sort of hyperbole. It's no longer anything about what ifs or what could be. We are watching these attacks taking place right now. What's happening between Israel and Lebanon, what's happening between Israel and all the other countries that are against it, is going to reverberate like an earthquake does through the core of the earth all the way across our planet to hit every single continent and region. It's right now at that dividing point where you're either with the United States of America and its regional allies, or you are against it. Now, this is scary because we're seeing so much armaments moved. We're seeing so many uh, military platforms being moved over. We are seeing the USA and Israel stand up and say, you know what, if they do this, here's what's going to happen. Iran already said it's time for preemptive attacks. Now, when's the last time you heard this type of verbiage and behavior? Anytime we saw the USA moving this much weaponry over to a region, they use them within days to weeks. So we only have a little bit of time, I would say, a limited amount of time before this thing escalates beyond the country's ability to control it. That means our military leaders who have been saying our military is too fat, our military is too woke, our military is too problematic, they're the ones who are going to be suffering through a military, trying to pull them together to fight for a war that nobody here at home is going to believe is necessary. Well, let me tell you in certain ways it is, because as the United States dollar is threatened, and this is China's plan and Russia's plan, as the United States dollar is threatened, you are going to see these other countries step up their game. And they're going to say, let's attack, let's attack the economy, let's attack the population, let's attack the religious centers. Let's divide the population and the Dems and the Republicans. They're all going to fall right in line like little kids putting their little shoes on. And they're going to say, okay, you know what? I do hate them. The other side will say, you know what? I do hate them. And then you have civil unrest inside of the country. Remember when COVID struck, that's what the worst of it was for a lot of people. It was when you weren't safe to go outside of your home because of riots and unrest. You saw the supply shortages. People started having problems, and look at where we're at today with our economy. It is a wartime economy, but it's worse. You have people hitting the soup kitchen. You have people choosing one meal a day because they can't afford to have two or three. They're talking about their shelter, how they can't already put gas in their vehicle, and everybody is strained and threatened. Now, let me tell you, we are animals in a way that if you threaten the animal, they're going to either back themselves into a corner or they're going to lash out. That's the sort of civil unrest that we expect to see across the USA. And as soon as one attack happens, we already saw a little bit of one with that guy who got stabbed because he was a zealot or some sort of whack job. That one little thing that happens that just starts that snowball of events that just rolls over into something that is no longer containable or controllable. Now we have police departments in the USA being told that that's, that moment is now. That time to get your riot gear ready, now. That time to get your snipers on the rooftops, now. We've already seen an escalation of threat levels across major banking institutions in the USA. They've told the banks to watch out for bank runs, people being scared that they won't be able to get their money out tomorrow. 
and they're going to the bank today and taking out all the money that they have, guess what? Predators are just waiting for this. If you were a criminal, wouldn't you be waiting to watch the person take out their money at the bank? Why not? It's free to sit there. And in fact, there would be profiling if you told them that they couldn't. They just sit there and wait. You pull away with your fresh 3K, 10K, or whatever that you just got from the bank. Now it's the criminal's time to follow you home and hit you on your way to your front door. It's not just happening at that level because you have to remember criminals aren't always smart, especially the ones that get caught. Sometimes it's the ones who are just making dumb moves. And we are seeing them follow people home from the grocery store. Why? Because that $600 basket is literally something they can't afford. So why not go take it from someone else? I recently watched a ring camera footage of two individuals walking up to their house before a guy in a mask with a gun ran up behind them. Now, luckily, the woman must have heard something that you can't see on camera, but she just got that door closed and locked just in time before the guy got up there with his firearm. Now, he tried to take the ring camera off, but anybody who knows anything about technology knows it's already too late there. But what they can do in that case is hopefully he hopes that they couldn't identify him further. Now, you need to be on your guard. Situational awareness is the time. That's the word of the day. If you're in Sesame Street today, the word of the day is situational awareness. And you'll say, Brad, that's two words. I don't care. We're not in Sesame Street. What I know that the phrase of the day is it's time for you to be ready. Be ready at a moment's notice. You had better, if you think that having your self-defense tool far away from you is okay right now, it's not, unless you have a sure barrier between you and that tool. You don't want anything that stops you from saving your family or being able to protect them. One way to do that is making sure you don't have to make as many trips to the grocery store. This helps you in two ways. One, you might not be able to get those things in just a couple of short weeks from today. And two, it makes it so that you're not exposed to potentially violent elements as much as the other person. If you're going to the grocery store every single day, every two days, not only are you creating a pattern of behavior that is monitorable, able to be monitored, and able to be followed, tracked, and acted upon by a criminal element, but you are also making it so that you're exposed to those types of opportunity attacks more often. So get your pantry stocked. Do as much online shopping as you can, because let's face it, Amazon, Walmart, they already ruined the mom and pop stores. Take advantage of this. Use it to, uh, to your advantage now. Get your pantry filled up. Get your bulletproof vest. If you can afford to get it, please get a bulletproof vest. Please get a couple of them for your family. Even if you're just putting them in your vehicle as you're driving in an evacuation, that could save your life. You might not want to be all bulletproof vested out as you walk up to the grocery store. That's probably not going to end well because the cops are on edge. The security guards are on edge. Every uh, you know Karen out there is on edge. You walk in and now you're lit up. Instead, you want to be able to have it to use it when you need it. No one's going to think twice during an evacuation of you having one behind you or you putting it on under your shirt and under your seatbelt. They're not even going to be able to uh, see it. So this type of gray preparedness, being ready without looking ready, is exactly what you need. You need to be eye aware. You need to be watching the people who are watching you. You need to be ready to act if they start to act violently. And you need to watch what's happening in the Middle East right now. It is so paramount that you see what's happening for what it really is. This is a drive by China, a drive by Russia to divide the United States of America between a fight against China and a fight 
against the Middle Eastern countries that are anti-American or anti-Israeli. Next, when it comes to Taiwan, that's where things are really going to heat up. You have to look at the big picture here, and that big picture says if they lock up the strait in the Middle East and they lock up the strait in China, where, what are we looking at now, 60, 70, 80% of all of our uh, globalism-driven uh, pieces of material and equipment come through, they've locked America down to only what it can produce itself or source from a nearby country. Canada won't be getting it. Mexico won't be getting it. How much of the things that you get are made in Ecuador today? Not very many, so you're going to be in real trouble when you need that part for your air conditioning unit, when your phone breaks, when your ham radio isn't available, when your car part breaks, when your washing machine breaks, you're going to need those things. Now, you need to look at what you need in your life that you can't live without. Is it a CPAP machine? It might be. Is it a, uh, you know, a certain piece of medical equipment? Well, if those things cannot be lived without or will make your survivability much less, get extra now. You also need to think about antibiotics. You also need to think about all those different parts of your daily routine and the what ifs. Do you have tourniquets? Do you have blood stop? Do you have uh, you know, chest wounds, sucking chest wound kits? Have you YouTubed it at least to know what to do? I'm not giving advice. I'm just telling you what a prepared person would be looking at. These people who are being popped full of holes in the Middle East because there's an ongoing war, they might not have had them. And so they lay on the ground in a very graphic video footage that you can find online, but I don't suggest you looking. What I don't want is for that to be your city, your neighborhood, your apartment complex. I don't want to see somebody filming with their phone camera, somebody that you know, laying on the ground. What I do want is you just as prepared and just as ready as you can be. You have to start now. These things are going to get worse. Thank you guys for being here with us. Full Spectrum Survival only on YouTube. Please leave a comment. Tell me what you're seeing out there. Please leave a reply to someone's comment, a thumbs up on this video, and subscribe if you haven't already. Much love and stay safe. All right, now we'll go to Professor Black Truth. Just saw that on here. Give me a minute. All right, here it is. Family and fellow soldiers, I'm the Professor, and this is the moment of truth. Seems there's some trouble over at the Peacock Channel. The open-minded East Coast liberals are showing their true colors again, and the Arabs are finding themselves on the outs. And what I'm talking about isn't going on in the Middle East, it's going on in the white media. Now, is this about race or religion? Well, consider this. Arabs, by and large, identify as white. Steve Jobs was of Syrian descent. He was adopted by a family with the surname Jobs. Casey Kasem was another one. One of the most famous DC-based reporters was Helen Thomas, who, despite her last name, was an Arab. You have people who, when they immigrate to the U.S., regardless of any talk about them being olive-skinned or whatever, they personally identify as white. This goes for Hispanics as well as Arabs. About the only time there's any breaks in this facade is whenever the white supremacists start bringing these folks in for some abuse, then all of a sudden they remember that, well, you know, I'm not white right now, this I don't feel that way. From time to time, they get a reminder that the dominant society is just playing along with them but reserves the right to stop at any moment. C-9-11, but for the most part, when it comes to business and society, that's who they most openly identify with. 
You know, whenever I see certain stories in the news, I can't help but think of Dean Obadala. He was a comedian, but as he himself put it, he went to bed a white guy and woke up an Arab after 9-11. Dean Obadiah, apparently with no self-awareness, never realized that he didn't have to wait until 9-11 to know that he was an Arab. Were white Americans more charitable toward Arabs when the oil embargo went down in the 70s? Or the Iran hostage crisis in 79? Or the bombing of the Marine barracks in Lebanon in 83? Or the numerous plane hijackings in the 1980s? And the bombing of Pan Am Flight 103 in 88? Or the first Gulf War in 1991? Or the first bombing of the World Trade Towers in 1993? Or the bombing of the embassy in Kenya and Tanzania? Obadiah seems to think that America was just in love with Arabs and Muslims until 9-11, when the truth is that there's always been the slurs and insults and stereotypes. And Obadiah is not a child. He was born in 1969. He's older than I am, so he knows full well how things were in the 70s and 80s and 90s. So how did he forget about that? It's not that he forgot. It's that he had the luxury of pretending that he didn't know, because after all, you get that pat on the head, and that's all that matters, right? Now, with the latest outbreak of war in the Middle East, there's a lot of people doing the most to try to get black people to try to choose sides. The reason for that is we are the only oppressed people on the entire planet. Everybody else is inconvenienced. That's why whenever every other group on the planet tries to talk about their alleged plight, they always, always come back to us. They always reference us because they know who's really oppressed and who's not. So since there's no substitute for the moral legitimacy that we represent, and there's also no getting around the fact that we alone are oppressed, everybody tries to see if they can get us to co-sign with what they're saying. We made a superpower have to, at least on paper, say that it was going to change its ways and admit to the world that it wasn't living up to its empty talk about democracy, freedom, and altruism. We are the moral compass of this country. No other group has done that not even among black people in the diaspora. So we are truly unique. Ours is a pure struggle. And everyone wants to try to appropriate it for their own personal benefit. Well, we're not signing on to anything because everybody who's trying to get us to lend our good offices to their problems, in many cases, they are beneficiaries, if not outright participants in our oppression. And that's just a fact. Both Jews and Arabs came to the U.S. as immigrants. Both of them lived in black communities when they got here, and it was our money that bootstrapped both of their businesses. And both of these groups turned around and engaged in the same anti-black racism as the rest of the society. Both groups used America's favorite rationales to justify the anti-black racism too. In many cases, they come from countries and cultures that were already practicing anti-black racism before they got here. And for a while, some of them thought that the dominant society would play along with their fiction, and they did, until it no longer amused them to do so. And when the truth inevitably comes out, it traumatizes the people who are holding certain illusions. Recently, Jonathan Greenblatt, the professional influence peddler, apparently didn't think that the Muslim anchors at MSNBC were towing the line for Israel strong enough. Even though none of those Muslim anchors were speaking against Israel, Greenblatt didn't think that they were cheerleading against the Palestinians enough. So he went on air and complained about it, and now we see that MSNBC's three most prominent Muslim anchors have been sidelined for the last several days. This, by the way, is how Jonathan Greenblatt operates. He demands that everyone do what he says, 
and condemns whatever he orders people to condemn. And if he thinks you're not doing it, or in the case of MSNBC's Muslim anchors, if he thinks you're not doing it enthusiastically enough, then he'll drop some not-so-subtle hints that you're an anti-Semite. Or at the very least, you're probably sympathetic to people who are anti-Semitic. And then the networks whose management are very much on Greenblatt's side will use his complaints as the basis to attack, or in this case, sideline people. Again, none of these three Muslim anchors have been kept off the airs for saying anything anti-Semitic. In fact, they haven't said one syllable against Israel. They've gone to great lengths not to offend anyone. But that wasn't enough for Greenblatt. You know, Greenblatt claims that the ADL is not so much about anti-Semitism as it is against all forms of defamation in general. And it is true that they no longer call themselves the Jewish Anti-Defamation League. They just call themselves the ADL. But the problem is, whenever it comes time to talk about some act of anti-black violence, for some reason, you'll occasionally have some cable network, typically MSNBC, bring Greenblatt on, and when he gets on the air, he'll give one throwaway mention to whatever racial attack happened, and then he will immediately pivot to talking about anti-Semitism, and he'll stay on that. However, whenever there's some anti-Semitic incident that goes down, the white media will often have a black commentator on, and their job is to say, we're against anti-Semitism, and it always stops there. It never pivots to the black community, though many of them will say, well, you got to say something about Farrakhan. That's what will happen. Whether it's Mark Levin, Richard Hernstein, Sarah Silverman, or Bill Maher, you have never seen Jonathan Greenblatt condemning any Jewish person who engages in anti-black racism. But whenever it comes to anti-Semitism, he'll be the first one saying somebody should be taken off the air because they're not condemning it. That's the game that he plays. As far as he's concerned, sympathy only goes one way. But with Mehdi Hassan, Ali Velshi, and Ivy Yeldon, they've been put on ice the last several days. And it's only been the last couple of days that the online media has made an issue of it to the point that MSNBC has been forced to say something. And their excuse is, oh, well, these guys haven't been sidelined. It's just that we've had them in different roles for logistical reasons. That's why you haven't seen them on air. The rumor is that Mehdi Hassan is supposed to be on Joy Reid's show sometime in the future, though nobody's exactly sure when. When these guys are back on the air, though, don't expect them to be causing any trouble. Well, maybe Ali Velshi will, but not Mehdi Hassan. This is the best job he's ever had or will ever have in his entire life. He's not going to ruin that. You ought to see the letters that he was writing to some of Rupert Murdoch's newspapers back in the day when he was trying to get himself a working gig in Britain. And as for Eamon, well, he's the definition of bland. So no matter what these guys think of their unofficial suspension, they're not going to be making a big deal about it. Now, the issue comes in that you have a lot of immigrants who come to the U.S. and they jump on the bashing black people bandwagon. And as everyone knows, since at least the 19th century, that's the fastest way to get a pat on the head from white power and get them to tell you that you're on the team. Everyone can try to make false comparisons between themselves and the history of black Americans, but it won't wash. That's the reason why we're not taking any sides in this latest Middle Eastern conflict. Please don't think that this latest dust-up is going to result in a change in how either of those communities interact with us. Asians have already forgotten about how things were in 2020 already. Everyone wants to come to us and stand in solidarity, but only when white power's got its foot up their behinds. Other than that, it's back to business as usual. So the three Muslim anchors on MSNBC have gotten their wake-up call, but we all know they'll hit the snooze button soon enough. The lesson never sticks. 
This is precisely why we're not taking any sides, because it doesn't make a difference how we're treated by these groups. We don't have a comfortable place under white supremacy, and even if we did, we wouldn't want it. Too many people practice opportunism as a group, and black people have been naive about that. The Arab news outlets haven't been making a big deal about how MSNBC has been treating its Muslim talent, mostly because they've been covering the hospital bombing in Gaza that killed hundreds of people. But they've all been complaining about how blatantly lopsided the white media's coverage has been in the U.S. These white networks here have not let any Palestinians or Arabs on the air. If you're not with the Israeli government or towing the line for them, you're not going to get any airtime. They won't even bring any Palestinian people on so they can argue with them. A lot of people in the white media identify as Jewish, and a lot of people in the white media also identify as Arab. But regardless of religious affiliation or ethnic background, both of them identify as white. And when it comes to how they've interacted with black people, the similarities far outweigh the differences. In fact, that becomes a type of common ground that they're all easily able to find. What does it mean to be American? It means to agree to and uphold the racial pecking order. Attack black people, mistreat black people, and you will have shown your loyalty to the system. That establishes your American bona fides. I make note of MSNBC singling out as Muslim anchors because people need to understand that trashing black people and engaging in anti-black racism and discrimination doesn't mean you're on the team. It means you've made yourself a useful idiot. That's why I bring up the piece about Obadala. Look how long it took this man to admit to what was right in front of him. When are people going to learn? The only safe place under white supremacy is fighting it. Bootlicking is a career path that doesn't come with a retirement plan. You want to be white supremacist adjacent? You can do that. But you also better be ready to eat a lot of crap and swallow your dignity, too. Part of the devil's bargain is you have to come in for some abuse on a regular basis. See, these Arab-American celebrities may be caught off guard by how they're being treated, but they shouldn't be. White supremacists love a cruel prank, especially one that takes a long time to pay off. They get a sick thrill out of breaking people's spirits, which is why they enjoy pretending to be someone's friend for a long time, only to then suddenly pull the rug right out from under them and see the look on their faces. When they realize they've been played for a fool, and that they had spent months, if not years, living a lie, it makes them feel as if their entire life has been nothing more than a fraud, just one cruel joke. See, these white supremacists love shattering someone's entire world. It's simultaneously a show of their power and a guilty pleasure for them. Will MSNBC own up to what they've done in this case? Frankly, I don't even think that it matters. Will their Muslim anchors speak out on this? If they haven't already, I wouldn't hold my breath. The only one that I can see quitting live on air is Ali Velshi, and I'm not betting on that one. White powers rewarded them too much for them to leave, at least abruptly. Sure, maybe many years from now they'll come clean about it and we'll give a couple of half-hearted misgivings. But today is what counts. And today, mums the word. So don't expect this incident to have any lasting impact on them. They'll know what's up, but it won't mean anything. After all, at the end of the day, there's a lot more Arabs who think the way Dean Obadali used to than those who don't. Good day, and be one. I'd like to take a moment to mention some of our contributors. Black Voltron Reloaded, Rod's Money, Ikeka's Dorset, Antonio Daniels, and Abram Pruitt. Salute to them and thank you to everyone for listening, liking, and sharing this message. Black Empowerment only exists because of you.
since Democracy Now!, Democracy Now! 